Hello, and welcome back to Weird on the Rocks. This is a podcast that explores the weird, unusual, strange, and unexplained, all while getting our drink on. I'm your host, Katie. First and foremost, I want to apologize if my voice sounds a little odd today. Um, I actually ruptured my eardrum, and I'm really congested, and I can't really hear my voice back in my headphones right now, so I'm sorry if I sound a little weird. Um, Bear with me, hopefully. I will be better soon. Today's episode is going to be the second installment in my Small Town Spooky series. Small Town Spooky number one was actually my first episode I uploaded, so go give that a listen if you haven't already. In these episodes, I read stories sent in from other Humboldt County natives, and in today's episode, I'm also going to be sharing some stories sent in from other people that I've met online that don't live in Humboldt County, but in other small towns. I haven't gotten enough submissions to keep it strictly to Humboldt stories, so if you're from here, please, please get a hold of me and give me your spooky story. You can find me on Facebook or Instagram. Both are Weird on the Rocks podcast, and I also have my website at weirdontherocks.weebly.com. So send me your story. It could be anonymous, or I can also give you a shout out. So Get a hold of me if you have something to share. If you want to support the show, please subscribe in whatever app you're listening right now, and also rate and review on iTunes. That really helps the show get out there so that other people can find it. Before we get into today's spooky stories, I want to share this week's beverage of choice. Tonight I am drinking a Humboldt County Classic, which is Great White. Great White is a nice, weedy Belgian white beer brewed by Lost Coast Brewery here in Eureka, California, and it is hands down my favorite beer. It's my husband's favorite beer. We always have this in our fridge. Um, We both prefer more mild wheat kind of fruity beers, so this is our go-to. It's just so delicious. I'm actually going to open it in the microphone and pour it into my cup just for some nice sound effects, so here we go. Like you guys are here drinking with me. Oh, yeah. Hopefully you guys can hear that. It's like we're having a little drink in a spooky hangout session. If you're from Humble, I'm sure you've gone to Lost Coast Brewery. Great White is a super well-known beer, but if you ever um, visit from other places, you've got to check it out. It is a great brewery. They have awesome food and delicious beers. All right, well, let's get into it. Cheers, and let's get weird. first story comes from my friend Jackie, and she says, A few days before Halloween, I was FaceTiming with my two-year-old nephew. He was doing his usual thing of asking to see all the animals. This looks like him asking for each pet by name, and me moving the phone from dog to cat to dog back to me. When it got back to me the last time, he squinted his eyes, looking behind me, and said, Who's that man? I screamed and looked behind me because I live alone, and of course, no one was there. The next morning, I was telling my classroom aides how my nephew freaked me out, and I started to hear a weird laughing noise. We tracked the sound to the closet where extra toys are stored. It was a toy table that when you hit a lever, 
a monkey laughs. It just kept laughing, though, so I crouched down in front of the closet and picked up the toy, looking for the off switch. After I turned the monkey toy over a few times inspecting it, the toys, including a dollhouse and a big heavy plane and truck, fell from the upper shelf on top of me. I covered my head and my aides batted some of the toys away. It was really spooky. Our eyes were all huge after that. Needless to say, I saged my house. Stay weird. <laughs> okay, thank you, Jackie. Um, that's definitely freaky, especially because I've been in your house and I know your dogs and the fact that your nephew saw something behind you. Like, I totally believe that. I think that children are way more open and susceptible to things like that because, you know, maybe they're they're closer to the other side of life, if that makes sense. So I don't doubt that he saw something, but I'm glad you saged your house and it sounds like whatever it was is gone now. So good on you for doing that. So this next one comes from David and it's a little bit of a long one, but it's really creepy. I've actually known David for a long time and I remember when this was happening to him. He says, one day my mom and I returned home from the store to find our back door partially open. This was odd to us because we always made sure to lock the doors because we lived right off the freeway on North Bank Road in McKinleyville. And a disclaimer for those of you who don't live around here, um, this is a very busy main road. So I slowly went in to make sure everything was safe and okay before I told my mom to come inside. Everything was fine until we made our way into the living room and we noticed all the pictures on the wall were flipped around and the ones on the coffee table were face down. We were extremely freaked out, but that was only the start. A few nights later, I was laying down in bed, and I was laying on my side facing my door that led out into the living room. Normally, I sleep with the door closed, but this night I had my door wide open for whatever reason. It was late, probably around 1am, and it had an eerie coldness to the air. It was dead silent in my house, quieter than usual it seemed. As I lay there wide awake looking out my bedroom door into the living room, I heard this little girl laugh and it seemed so real, I quickly sat up in bed, and as soon as I sat up, I saw this little girl run by the doorway in a flash, giggling as if she was playing. This freaked me out so bad, I went and woke up my parents. Granted, I was like 16. Two days later, when I got home from school, I went into my room, and there were toys scattered all over my bedroom floor. I assumed my niece or nephew came over, so I asked my mom why she didn't pick up the toys that were normally stashed away in my closet. She told me no one was here, and she had never even went in my room that day. So again, I was super freaked out and put the toys back in the closet. That was the extent of the creepiness in that McKinleyville house. A few years later, I was living in Fortuna, which is about 40 miles from McKinleyville. And once again, I was laying in bed late at night, probably around 12 or 1 a.m. But this time, my door was closed, and the foot of my bed faced the door. I was wide awake, and all of a sudden, my door flew open extremely fast, and the same little girl was running towards me. But she wasn't running like a human. She was coming at me like some sort of animal or creature on all fours. She had her same hair and dress that she was wearing previously, but she had the skin and look of more of a creature mixed with a human. She crawled onto my bed super fast and jumped onto my chest, just thrashing away onto my chest and my head, and I tried to defend myself, but my wrist seemed to be tied down. I wasn't able to do anything other than take the thrashing. She was so angry, and in the moment she seemed to be trying to kill me, and out of nowhere I woke up, I think. I'm not sure because it seemed real, but when I opened my eyes, it was morning, and she was gone. I was literally trembling and sweating from the experience, but I took a deep breath and was so thankful it was just a dream. So I got up and went to the bathroom to take a shower. 
As I took my shirt off, I had three super deep, bloody claw marks on my chest. When I saw this in the mirror, I was more terrified than I've ever been in my life because now I knew it wasn't a dream. None of it was. There's no way it would have been caused by me scratching myself in the middle of the night because I bite my nails and they're super short. The markings were deep and about eight inches across my chest. To this day, I still have no clue who this little girl is and why she is attached to me in some sort of way. I'm currently 31 and still alive and live in Sacramento. So, like I said, I know David well and I remember when this happened to him and he was really freaked out and scared, which obviously anyone would be. Um, I remember he even sent me pictures of the scratches that were definitely real and looked painful and... I, at the time, I didn't know what to tell him. I said, maybe you scratched yourself, um, but it freaked me out too. And I didn't want to tell him that I thought maybe this little girl was real. So David, I'm really glad you haven't had any more encounters with that little girl. It sounds like maybe she was attached to you for a short time and maybe she's moved on or maybe she's just laying dormant and she'll come back. Um, Be careful, maybe sage your house. So this next story comes from Taylor, who is actually part of one of my Facebook groups I'm part of. So this one isn't local to Humboldt County. I'm part of like 15 Facebook groups at this point. Um, It's kind of a problem. And I've asked for story submissions in some of those groups and Taylor responded. And here's what Taylor says. Ever since I was little, I would get these pits in my stomach and I would start crying when my family and I would go to certain places. It happened at really old churches in Mexico missions, old forts, and places like that. Everything at my house was usually fun, although occasionally I would feel a presence in my room and my mom would tell me that I had night terrors. Then my parents decided to remodel so I wouldn't have to share a room with my brother. Obviously, I was beyond excited. They worked for a while and finally got me in a room built in what was our old garage, just outside our house. Everything was fine until one night when I felt something or someone crawling on the end of my bed. It should be noted that my brother occasionally sleepwalks and does that creepy thing of standing by your bed staring at you, just like in Paranormal Activity, if you've seen it. Anyway, I assumed he was just being weird in his sleep, so I told him to go away, but the crawling didn't stop. So I kicked and clearly felt contact with my foot and heard a thud on the ground. Not extremely loud, so I thought maybe it was my cat and I left the door open. I turned on the light and my door was locked and shut. I checked under my bed and all around my room for my cat, but nothing. I finally got myself back to sleep. In the morning, I asked my brother how he slept and he said he had weird dreams, but nothing else. I talked to my dad and he said it was a normal night. Then when I brought it up to my mom, she told me that she had pretty much the exact same thing happen to her at my age. Anyway, we've since moved and nothing weird has happened, but that might have been one of the creepiest experiences of my life. Um... Holy shit, Taylor, that sounds terrifying. Um, I'm so glad you got out of there. Um, And how weird that something almost exactly the same happened to your mom at the same age. I I wonder if it's something that's somehow attached to the two of you, but I'm glad you got out of there and I hope it leaves you alone. So this next story comes from Greta, who I also actually met through a Facebook group I'm part of. Um, Like I said, I have a problem. So Greta says... Story number one, when I was younger, under eight, but don't know the exact age, my mom and I lived alone in a two-bedroom, one-floor house. This house had a basement, and that was it. My room was across from the kitchen, and in between the two rooms was the stairs leading to the basement. My mom lived on the other side of the house. 
So there was a period of time where I would wake up around 3 a.m. every night to someone rummaging in the refrigerator. It was annoying, but I just chalked it up to my mom being hungry late at night. One day I was so annoyed with it and asked my mom why she kept doing that because it was waking me up at night. But she said she wasn't and I was just hearing things. So fast forward to 3 a.m. and I hear clanking in the fridge again and I want to catch my mom in the act. So I open up the door and across the hall, I see the dark kitchen with the fridge wide open, but no one was there. I went into the kitchen and on the table was an open jar of pickles. I ran into my mom's room to catch her going back to bed, but she was dead asleep and snoring. Story number two. This one is my mom's story, not mine. In the same house, she was hanging out with a friend and I wasn't there. They were just hanging out when they heard what they both describe as a few people dancing to old school music upstairs. We didn't have an upstairs or an attic. My mom and I were the only people to ever live there other than the original owners who were an older couple, so we think it was them dancing. Story number three. These are just a bunch of little ones that happened in our new house with my stepdad, whose father worked with Ed and Lorraine Warren. And I'm going to add in a little side note. Um, Ed and Lorraine Lauren were famous paranormal investigators, and they actually inspired numerous horror movies such as The Conjuring and Annabelle, and they're very, very famous for investigating people's homes when they had paranormal activity. And um, Lorraine Warren actually just recently passed away, I think two weeks ago, when she was in her 90s. So back to Greta's story. So these stories all happened after we got his belongings, including recordings from his time spent with Ed and Lorraine Warren. One time we were all in the living room, and my mom keeps trinkets on the bookshelves around the TV, and we had my step-grandfather's old belt buckle up there. It was really heavy steel or something. It flew off of our bookshelf across the room like five feet. There's no way it could have fallen like that by itself. It literally flew across the room. Another time, my brother and I were sitting in the kitchen, and the microwave light kept flashing, and then a spoon flipped off of the counter onto the ground. Another time we woke up and all the cabinets, oven, and microwave were all open in the kitchen. I'm sure I have more, but I can't think of them right now. Um, Greta, you don't need to think of any more stories. That is enough. Um, that is so cool that your family has a tie to Ed and Lorraine Warren. They are super famous and well-known, so that's really cool. And the thing about the cabinets and drawers all being open, that totally makes me think of the movie The Sixth Sense where Cole goes into the kitchen and the cabinets are all open and the mom thinks that he's doing it. It's so freaking spooky. <laughs> and the one about the pickle jar is kind of cute and funny um, and harmless. You know, maybe it was just a ghost that was a little hungry and wanted some pickles in the middle of the night. But the true crime lover in me is just hoping that you didn't have someone living in your basement that was coming up at night to eat. Um, thankfully, you're out of that house. So if that was the case, um, I guess you don't have to live there anymore. <laughs> All right, and today's last story comes from another Humboldt native who wishes to remain anonymous. This story is about the cemetery in Ferndale, which is a really small, very historic little farming town here in Humboldt. I couldn't find exactly what year the cemetery was established, but most of the tombstones are from the late 1800s and early 1900s, and there are many well-known Humboldt families laid to rest there. The cemetery kind of sprawls up a hillside, and it is very hauntingly beautiful. I actually really um, enjoy walking around that cemetery on a nice sunny day, and it's it's very peaceful. I have some pictures up on the website and my social platforms for those who aren't from around here. Definitely give them a look. It's, it's a really unique, really beautiful cemetery. So her story says, 
My daughter was recently telling me that one of her buddies at school mentioned that his family helped move a woman's body from Oregon and buried her there in the Ferndale Cemetery. This young man's family has lived here in Humboldt for several generations. Their last name is Day, I believe. Supposedly, this woman was convicted of being a witch in Salem, Massachusetts, and was put to death. They wouldn't allow her to be buried on holy ground, and for some unknown reason, many years later, her body was transported to Oregon and then eventually made it out here to Humboldt for a proper burial. Supposedly, she watches over the cemetery and keeps it peaceful. Okay, I love this story. The Ferndale Cemetery, like I said, one of my favorite places. It's beautiful, and that's so cool that there's some tie between the Salem Witch Trials and Humboldt. Um, You know, we're on different coasts, so it's very cool to find some connection. And I just love hearing any type of history about Humboldt and the families that used to live here. So thank you so much for that story. All right, that's going to be it for today's episode. Thank you to everyone who sent in their stories. I have a few left for another small town spooky episode, but I need more. So if you guys want to keep this segment going, please, please send me your stories. They don't have to be anything elaborate or exciting. Even just a small snippet of something creepy that happened to you. I would love to hear it and share it. Again, you can reach me on Instagram and Facebook at Weird on the Rocks podcast or my website at weirdontherocks.weebly.com or my email weirdontherocks at yahoo.com. All right. Thanks for joining me and cheers and stay weird. Thank you.